do. Baby, read. Get the out of here, man. I want to take that I take it. You got the chef, you got the artist. You're a role player and you found them. It's great to set that. That's what you are. Bye. Whatever you need, brother, I got you. I will catch you tomorrow. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Ball Street Journal podcast. Got almost, I feel like, Nishan. I feel like it, this is a throwback episode, dude. I've, I've been doing some pods with Saad recently, but you and me haven't done a pod in a while. Yeah, dude. OG crowd. I feel like, uh, I don't know, we've recorded a lot of separate pods over the summer, but it's it's always good to get you back on one of these and uh, to talk about basketball with you. We, we, I mean, obviously, we talk along the way as it is, but uh, always nice to send it out to the few fans that listen to our pod all the time (laughs) the few loyal fans i think that's the key (laughs) but yeah dude i mean i think we've been talking about some of these teams um you know the season's about 27 most teams have played around 27 to 30 games in so we're almost at the halfway point which is kind of crazy to think about um basically in like about two weeks like two three weeks and then tomorrow's like a big day with the unofficial start of the trading deadline december 15th where like players signed from the off season are available in trades but i thought we could just hit on like a couple of teams um and then like i i like this one topic that you brought up in just like text text chain so um the first team i just wanted to hit on was the toronto raptors the the raptors right now there's they sit at like that nine ten seed right now and it's like not the so their official standings. They are the number nine seed. They're thirteen and fourteen. They are at home. They have a pretty good record. They're ten and three, but on the road they're absolutely horrible. They are three and eleven, so not really great. I was just looking up some of their advanced stats: offensive rating one hundred and twelve point one, defensive rating one hundred and eleven. So basically, a net rating of one. Not the not the best there either. I guess what I wanted to ask you is like, given where the Raptors are right now, and I know some other pods have talked about it on touched on the Raptors. What, what, what is like the big picture? What is the direction for this team? Really? Yeah. I, I think this has been a question since the summer or maybe even since Kawhi left. And, um, you know, when I look at this team, it, it screams to me still a young team. When you see someone who has a home road split the way that they do, that 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 is like a young team mentality where you win a, win a bunch of games at home and you lose a bunch of games away. And I think they've become a topic of conversation in the last week or last few days because of their two losses to Orlando. But when I when I look at it, you know, this is not something to panic about. This is a young team, a lot of tradable assets if that's what they decide to do. But a lot of guys that are developing, um, and and maybe maybe um, this isn't the season they anticipated last year. I think I think Barnes has taken a step back a little bit. Adnobi has taken a step forward. They're six and uh, they're four and six in the last ten. But those losses, besides the two Orlando losses, which you know are inexcusable, they lost to Boston. They lost to Brooklyn twice. They lost to New Orleans. I mean, those are all high, high caliber teams. And so personally, you know, I I think they just got to keep rolling with what they have and let the guys develop. The one odd man out from this and the guy who's taken a big step back is probably Fred Van Vliet. He's yep. getting paid a lot of money and I don't think he's been producing to the level that he was. Uh, but But I would not break up this core. I think that this core has a lot of value and you can trade them, but you can you also should let them play together. Last year they had so much injury they never really got to play together and they might just be settling in and figuring out how to how to play off of each other. I think the 
the big thing you hit on just now is the fall off from Van Vliet, right? I mean, this guy, when he signed this contract, um, it was a four-year, $114 million contract. And he had an all-star season in 2001-2022. So you're like, okay, this would be uh, a great contract for Van Vliet. Um, sorry, it was actually a four-year, $85 million contract for Van Vliet. He is in the last year of that contract. He has a player option for 23-24. So it looked like, you know, given he's coming off an all-star season, he was definitely going to opt out of that. Um, with the cap going going up, the rate for a player like him was definitely more than $21 million given we saw the deals this offseason guards like Jordan Poole, Tyler Hero. Um, even the Brunson deal was a little higher than the $21 million average value. And But he's not been the same player that he was last year. He's definitely taken a step back. I think I agree with the Scotty Barnes. He's kind of like going through that little bit of a, not a sophomore slump necessarily, but you know, it's like you come in hot your rookie year, you're the sensation, and then teams know how to game plan for you, they know how to scout you, and they they know how to play him a little bit better this year compared to last year. And the Raptors just have like this glut of like Siakam, Ananobi, uh, Barnes, and they just have like all these guys. They, Masai is a great, great team, but I guess in terms of big picture, right? So let's say and uh, Van Vliet, this he might be a free agent going into this offseason. Ananobi's actually on a great contract. I was looking at it. He's getting paid $17 million this year, $18 million next year. And then the last year is a player option. He'll, so he'll opt out. So basically he has two years left, but at $17 and $18 million, that's a great contract. And Siakam's getting paid $35 million this year, $37 next year. Um, so he has two years left. So basically this core is like, what they got they got two years and i'm just curious like do you start trading some of these pieces they got value start getting maybe some picks or do you just like keep riding it with this core i don't know like what you're gonna be able to get a value right like there's no major player on the block them tanking to the bottom you know there's obviously great players in this draft but they're not gonna make it all the way to the bottom they already have 13 wins I, I feel like you just got to keep chugging along. I mean, I think Van Vliet will come off come off the books. That'll open up some additional space for them to attract people. Toronto is, you know, it's it's not the highest on the list of places for people to go, but they've shown that they're a very competent organization. I'm sure there's going to be some, maybe not, not all NBA kind of player, but they're going to be someone that they can recruit. And you can't, uh, you know, Masai has been known to be able to get guys and take chances on guys. I just don't see... They have three guys that have high value, in my opinion. Barnes, Adnobi, Siakam. And I just don't see how they can they can trade and upgrade on those guys. And again, I think a lot of this has to do with even Scotty Barnes. I don't think it's necessarily a slump. It's just last year at any given time, Van Vliet was out, Siakam was out, Adnobi was out. So Barnes was getting a lot of these high usage touches. And he's just not getting that this year because... You know, when you look at it, Adnobi's played 26 games this year. Barnes has played 24 games. Van Vliet's played 21. Siakam's missed a bunch of games here and has only played 17. But a lot of them have been healthy for the most part this year. So I, I don't know. I I would keep riding it out with this team. I don't think you can really make upgrades, particularly in the middle of the season. Just let them play and then you can reassess in the offseason if you want to make moves. These guys aren't going to lose value throughout the course of the season. They're so young and for the most part on, on friendly contracts. Yeah, I think that's what the Raptors are going to do ultimately. I think Masai's like never been like the guy who's him and Bobby Webster there, like who's been like let's full out tank. I think there were times they were almost going to do it with that the Kyle Lowry teams right before they got Kawhi, 
where you know every year it was like I mean they were just running into the machine that was LeBron but it was like every year first round exit second round exit conference finals like they 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 realized they had a cap um but I think the difference now is really Barnes given he's only in his second year and he's got so much room to grow he could be the difference maker he got him on his rookie deal for at least not at least he do have him on his rookie deal for two more years after this one I think that's really what the Raptors are going to do. It's just unfortunate that, you know, again, they're now in the East and there's Giannis. The Celtics look like a juggernaut and Tatum and Brown are going to continue getting better. And, you know, as the Raptors develop, I, they may just run into that same issue that they did with LeBron, uh, with Giannis and now Tatum and Brown in the East. I wouldn't be surprised if we look at this end of the season and the Raptors and make it make it into the top six. They're one game out from the sixth position, two games out of the fifth position. They do have a positive point differential, which is you know better than Pacers and Hawks who are above them. And I'm taking a look at their uh, strength of schedule, and they've played some really great teams. They've played Philly twice. They've played uh, Brooklyn three times. They've played Boston once. They've played Cleveland twice, and they haven't, I mean, they played uh, Detroit once, but they haven't played Detroit multiple times. They haven't played, you know, the the weaker teams in the Eastern Conference, like Charlotte. They have all of these games that are going to come up where I think they're going to boost up their, you know, these are like three, four additional games where they're going to boost up their stats. So I'm not really worried about them. I think they'll get their wins. They'll end up being, you know, this mid-playoff team. They're not going to be... Uh, you know, championship contenders this year, but let the, let the guys grow, let them play, let them fi- let let you figure out exactly what their value is going to be like to this team after letting them play a full season. Yeah, I, I think that's given Masai's history. I think that's the right move to do, and that's ultimately right now. Like you said, there's just such a glut. Like all these teams are bunched up, and you know, I'm sure that Raptors. They that country that whole city they're always behind that team. I I, I don't see them really uh, going to tanker out. Um, and you and know. you know speaking you know speaking of like the Raptors, they clearly don't have a guy there right now. And um, maybe one of them will emerge as the season goes on. We had a year where it was Siakam. Last year it felt kind of like Van Vliet slash Barnes. This year it's feeling a little bit more like Adnobi, and so. Let's see where the chips settle at the end of the day. Um, to smooth transition to our next team that we want to talk about, this team does have an alpha male. Uh, that is one uh, Luka Doncic, who's obviously exceeding all the player usage statistics that you can think of. High, you know, high, I think highest use player since the um, Westbrook and Harden MVP seasons. Uh, he's he's uh, clearly doing it all i'm looking at the team leader he's 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 the team leader in essentially every single stat <laughs> he's points, basically like those points. lebron Cavs right now <laughs> yeah like the first yeah, edition 30, 33 points per game 8.6 rebounds 8.8 assists 1.7 steals and maxi kleba gets the one for blocks but clearly like luca's doing it all but is he doing too much what do you think yeah i, I this is always a tough tough thing right um I, I don't think he's doing too much. I just think this is what he needs to do with this team. I, I mean, if we do like the revisionist history for the Mavs, um, the Porzingis trade was a fail. I mean, we just have to call it how it was. They gave up two first-round picks. Um, all, the other things that they gave up in that trade, DeAndre Jordan was just an expiring contract, so that didn't really matter. 
Dennis Smith Jr. never really worked out for the Knicks either in terms of the young player they got back, but really they gave up those two first-round picks, which kind of hamstrung them with picks that they could trade ever since they made, made the Porzingis trade. And then to compound that, Porzingis and Luka just never fit together. I mean, we see Porzingis kind of having like a revival of a season now. Um, and then really like the one guy that they found in the draft who could play off of Luka, um, a great ball handler, kind of take some of those duties away from him. Jalen Brunson, they totally mismanaged that situation. They didn't give the undervalued him with the extension that they initially offered which was like lowballing him essentially they did uh messed up at the trade deadline when they could have extended him for a little bit more money but they didn't want to give up cap space and they thought they'll just retain him in the offseason and they lost that guy and now yeah they have Dinwiddie but I mean I don't Dinwiddie's not as good as Brunson and really this is kind of what Luca just needs to do and really I mean let, let's be honest what the Mavs are kind of waiting on now they've never been a free agent destination is i think starting this summer they could trade their first round picks up to seven years out so you're looking up to 2030 right i mean they just have to hope a some star gets unhappy and they gotta offer that package of the you know 26 28 30 first round picks 27 29 swap for that next star that that wants out i think that's really the, the thing that the maps kind of have to wait on now I think my my opinion of it is, Luca's clearly won at the highest levels. I, I I think he's a very talented basketball player. The question is, is he willing? You know, even when Brunson was there, one of the reasons why Brunson wanted to leave, and who knows if he was extend if he was offered those extensions, if he would have not still wanted to leave. Like, who really really knows? Uh, you know, Brunson wanted to be the guy on a team, and he's clearly getting to do that with New York. The question is like. Is Luca compatible with another guy? Is he willing to play off the ball? And these are conversations we probably had about LeBron, but that's the kind of maturity I do want to see. If 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 the Mavs are able to get a second guy, and you know KP wasn't that guy clearly, but also Luca wasn't willing to compromise. You know there are things that KP was not good at, aka staying healthy, which is really important to a team. But um, but you know Luca has to find a way to make it work with the player. LeBron did that in his career with. A bunch of other superstars maybe that made lebron's accolades individual accolades a little bit worse but he did it because he wanted to win you know uh i know luca wants to win but sometimes winning in the nba may be different than winning in other leagues whether that's euro basketball and maybe it's going to take him sacrificing a little bit um to have that happen i have all confidence that luca is such a competitor he'll make he'll do it we just have to see it yeah, I, I think this has come down to, like, you know, he didn't have a great relationship with Porzingis. Um, and we've all heard the things about with the European players, he doesn't have the AAU connections or the things that a lot of these American players do um, in terms of, like, recruiting or just, like, having friends that in the league that, you know, would maybe one day want to come play with you. Um I mean, I, I think at this point, really, the Mavs this season they they don't they don't really have much moves that they could make. This is their team. I think this is kind of what they they got to do to maximize this team, which is just Luca is this heliocentric player, and they just have to he just has to do everything for this team. And in the playoffs, you just got to hope, like kind of like last year, if the shooters get hot, like Hardaway, um, Dinwiddie, Kleba. If these guys are Christian Wood now, if these guys are making threes and you got Luka, I think you have a shot. I think the other thing I don't really like about the Mavs is like 
What has Jason Kidd proved in his whole coaching career that he knows how to manage a team, that he knows how to manage a competent offense? Like, you know, I get it. The players haven't been scoring. Tim Hardaway Jr. until recently was hot garbage uh, in terms of shooting. He obviously flamed the Knicks a couple games ago when he when he had the opportunity to do so. Bullock hasn't been himself this year. Um, but also, like, Christian Wood probably should be getting more than 25 minutes a game. <laughs> yeah. Probably should be starting. Like, Over Jim, I, just, Jim I don't understand. <laughs> I, yeah, I just don't really understand the composition of this team and who they're throwing out every single day. It's like they may have some talented players, but they don't want to use them either to prove some kind of sadistic point. But the thing is, like, you're wasting prime Luka years, you know? Like, uh, at some point, he's going to become unhappy. And unless he's, like, Dirk and willing to, like, go through it, uh, he's going to want to leave. And I just, you know, I I don't see Jason Kidd having done anything with very, very talented players, you know, his time with the Bucks, uh, And so I... I don't, I don't know what's going on. Like, maybe is this the right guy for you? Or maybe that's not the right guy and they should be switching up their lineups. They should be starting Christian Wood. They should be trying everything possible because, you know, they're in this really competitive Western Conference. They're the ninth team right now. You know, like you said, a game over uh, 500. They do have a good plus minus. They're a 1.8 plus minus. They're five and five in the last 10 games. And, you know, I mean, the Western Conference is kind of crazy, like one and a half games out of fourth place. And so at the end of the season, we might be looking up and Dallas is going to be amazing. The downside to that is Luka's getting so much usage right now. What is going to happen to him in the playoffs? Is he going to be prone to another injury? Is he going to get tired out by the end of the season? And if they flame out, what really happens? Yeah, I, I think it's going to be like a um, James Harden situation, right? Like when you would just see him in Houston, like just tire out at the end of the playoffs every year he would always put up these stinkers at the end of every playoffs because he was just so burnt out in a way i do think that's why dallas it kind of helped for luca last year that he missed the first four games or first three games of that opening round um it with that injury it was almost like a rest period so but when he came into that jazz series you know he only had to play three games in that series and in the western conference finals that went to game seven but he could last like all seven games but then we saw what happened in the western conference finals where the the warriors just like they they just had they knew how to play defense on him i mean that was a way the best team that they faced they they were the eventual champions but i if he's going like this it's just you're gonna burn out there's no way around it with this kind of like high usage we're just gonna see the same results that we're gonna we saw with Harden um, when he was in Houston yeah and and, and we might be seeing a change in what basketball is like you know for many 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 years there was a lot of success with this um, you know ball dominant point guard shooting guard ways and and I think a lot of teams are now uh, trying to be all about ball movement, trying to emulate, you know, the warriors of the last decade. And um, that's not really Luca's game. You know, when he doesn't have the ball, he's kind of in a corner. He's not really, he's not a guy who's doing a lot of action. Yeah, off, yeah. Off he's basically ball, so. resting when he's off the ball. <laughs> like, he's not, there's not exactly. much that he's doing. He's not like running around like Steph. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think both, you know, closing the loop on both of these teams. I think they're so, so far their seasons have been disappointing. But I think there's a lot of promise in both Toronto and 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 the Mavs. I do I do believe that the, the teams are better than what their records show right now. 
but but I think their ca- ceiling is capped with the current iteration of either team. With the Raptors, they don't have an alpha guy, and with the Mavs, they don't have enough guys around Luca. Yeah, I mean, and they're both like the number nine seed. You know, that's always like the the uh, it's like one of those now with this playing situation. It's always like a tricky spot to be. Um, but yeah, but wrapping up this pod, I think um, you know I, I'll let you like come up with the the question. You know, it was like an idea that you had. Like I think you were texting someone, um, one of one of our friends, Abi, just like a question about Zion and Ja. If you want to let our listeners know what it was. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, you know, um, looking back at the trade, you know, Zion, Ja, and RJ, and we had the twenty five under twenty five about RJ and how I, I really think he should have made it. But uh, you know, unanimously, we can all agree that. Zion and Ja belong on there and actually it's funny now looking at how the season that Zion is having how we didn't have him on our like first team or second team and and um both of their teams are doing amazing they're first tied for first in the western conference this really shows the changing of the guard both guys are amazing um but I I think that's a it's time to have the healthy debate that Ja versus Zion first overall pick versus second overall pick we're finally getting to see a season where they're all, but they're both matured a little bit and playing a lot of games. I'm just going to read you off their stats because I think that it's kind of interesting how similar they are. They both play 22 games. They both play about 33 minutes a game. Uh, ja is 27.7 points. Zion is 25 points. Ja is 7.8 assists. Zion is four. Ja is six rebounds. Zion is seven. And, uh, you know, obviously Zion is shooting way better from the field goal range because that's what he does. And Josh slightly better from the free throw line. But it's really, really, really amazing how, how similar these guys are. Um, the debate is, who would you take now? And I think I would fall on a healthy Zion is uh, is better than John Moran. Well, I think that you kind of hit the, uh, <laughs> the really the, the nail on the, which is like the healthy Zion, right? Yeah. Uh, which, yeah, he's healthy right now, and that's great, but we just haven't seen that consistent being healthy. This might be that breakthrough that he needed. Like, he had all season off. He maybe changed his, like, eating habits, like, his workout habits, fitness habits. I mean, these guys come into the NBA at 19, you know, like, and we just expect them to be, like, fully ready. And some some players do arrive like that, but some players, maybe they just need that time to kind of mature both like on and off the court and this could be the turnaround for zion um you know i i think the answer is like yeah for me i would still take ja the the 18 and 9 pelicans you know the best start probably one of their best starts in franchise history number one seed in the west right now we would have never guessed that um they're doing great and zion's really the driver of that right now with ingram out mccollum's not having a great shooting season it's really all zion and when you watch these games i mean this dude can just get to the hoop whenever he wants he was doing this at duke too but we thought like you know nba players like the defenders are better he won't be able to consistently do this um but he's doing it right now i i just have seen it more with ja in his second year he led his team to the playoffs he won that game on the road where he beat the they beat the Warriors, took his team to the Western Conference semifinals. He was the most improved player last year, like an MVP candidate. I've just seen it more consistently out of Ja, and I think for I would say Ja, but I'm not like I remember our 25, the uh, the pod that we did over the summer, Yumi and Saad, where I didn't even pick Zion for that team. And man, I'm really uh, I deserve to get flamed for that. I'm not shutting <laughs> shutting it out for Zion, but. I think right now I would take job, but I will say it is open for debate for sure. 
I mean, here's 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 my here's my uh, my take on it. You know, yes, he's a guy that hasn't been healthy. Health is important. You know, best ability is availability. I get all of that, but but there's also the flip side of that, which is when Zion is on the court, uh, and and Ja has all the highlight reels. Don't get me wrong, like you know, Ja chase down blocks, amazing moves, great passes, great dunks, but when you watch the game there's just something about zion i don't know maybe i didn't realize it because he was injured so much maybe because it's been a couple of years but when you watch him it's like mesmerizing it's like this guy's playing a different sport out there he's there's there's nothing any team can do to stop him right now and um he's doing this without brandon ingram who is arguably a much better scorer than he is he's leading his team in the last 10 games he's been doing even better He's uh, up to 28 points, shoot, uh, 28 points per game, 66% from the field, eight rebounds a game. I mean, maybe this is recency bias, but, uh, you know, if I could have, and again, health is the most important thing, but I just feel like tantalizing watching Zion, something that we've never seen. And the other, the other thing is like, when it comes to playoff time, Jai's obviously had a little bit more experience, but it's hard being a small guard trying to lead your team. While Zion, I don't think will have that problem. And so when it comes to the playoff time, I think teams can like the the offense can be run through Zion, and it might be a little bit more challenging for Ja uh, because he's a little bit smaller. I, he is explosive. He does have a good passing, but you know he may be having to settle for some longer shots which he may be better at but he just may not be as effective in the playoffs um when all the attention is on him yeah uh, i i just i think it's right now it's we just seen it from ja uh man but i am so worried that we're gonna get a derrick rose situation with him just with the way he like goes up um no regard for his body just the way he attacks the rim it's all exciting and you know it's a he's a great offensive weapon the way he plays um really no one can stay in front of him he can get to the rim whenever he wants but you that i know we talked about all this injury concerns for zion like it's there with jaw too um it's just that you know maybe he hasn't had that like where a year he's missed a whole year but man it is it is so scary to watch job play you're just like i hope he lands okay like every time he goes up for one of his dunks or one of those highlight reel plays um you know, I, it was so funny at this time last year. We're like, man, look at what the Grizzlies have done to surround Ja. And we're like, they, this team has like a much better supporting cast. But now when you look at what the Pelicans have done, I mean, you got to say they've done a great job too. And ironically, these two teams actually made a trade last year where they sent Adams to uh, Memphis and then Valanciunas to uh, the Pelicans. You know, I think Valanciunas has been a greater, better fit than with the Zion than Adams was. And Adams has kind of been what the Grizzlies needed, like just this brute rebounder inside, especially when, um, who do you call it? Jaron Jackson has been missing a lot of times. And then Griffin with like the way he's hit on guys like Herb Jones, Trey Murphy in the draft, the McCollum trade, got Larry Nance out of that trade too. Uh, that hasn't been talked about enough. Um, and then, of course, finding uh, our boy Grand Theft Alvarado. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I mean, the, public enemy number one for those, Chris. Those Paul. are the kind of moves. Like when you find guys like Alvarado, just like off the scrap heap, and he becomes like a rotation player, and you have him on the cheap. 
Like, those are, like, moves that can make a difference when you find guys like Alvarado that you don't have to spend a draft pick, you don't have to spend, like, free agency money or, like, trade assets. Um, you know, I think this is this is the... Right now, these two teams are the future, but they're also the present, and I think that's what makes it so exciting. Yeah, man. I, I, I think the NBA in these two guys' hand, 2019, uh, you know, as, as advertised, an amazing draft, and... Uh, and both of these teams have done a really good job in, in stark contrast to the Mavs. They've built around their players. The, their players are happy. They're playing well. They have a team that's set up around them. You know, for Ja, he's got shooters around him, but then he's also got the big guys in the center with Adams and Jaron Jackson, who are amazing. And then with Zion, you know, Zion has a lot of things. The thing that he maybe is most lackluster on is on defense. And he's got guys there that you know both in the perimeter and also in the paint that play defense and take a little bit of pressure away from him and so uh i think that this is going to be really really exciting to see how each of these teams does throughout the course of the season um i you know i would give memphis a slight nod when it comes to the playoffs only because they've been there and have a little bit more experience but man new orleans is is uh is an exciting team and I think if I reflected back in the offseason, I would not have seen them as being the, the number one team in the West at any given point, let alone, you know, uh, what are we like a quarter of the way through the season, more than a quarter of the way through the season. I would not have expected that at all. Oh, for sure. No one would have said these two teams. I mean, there people are saying Grizzlies like may even take a, a step back this year. They may be overachieved. Um, really just praying for good health for these two teams. Um you know, and that's that's really what we want to want to see because the NBA is great when these these kind of teams come to the like. There's always like that changing of the guard moment, and you know, with the Warriors struggling, the Suns are kind of like now on a losing streak. It's, it's like I think we may be getting that, and then there's like teams like the Nuggets, Clippers. You know, like they're they're still lingering there. Uh, we're like thirty. It's weird that we're thirty games in, and there's like really no one who's like. In the East, we have the Celtics and the Bucks, but the West, you know, it's like maybe the Clippers will do that. We saw like how they looked against the Celtics, but no one's really like stood out out. And um, man, it, it's just been a great season. Young players kind of just coming up on the rise. Can I uh, can I start the Zion for MVP already? Like, can, I, uh, can I can I start putting up can I start putting up the GoFundMe or whatever I need to to make sure we make that happen? I think it's like it's it's pretty funny because I think on like most places like his MVP odds are like like still at a place like right I think some in some places it's like plus twenty one hundred plus fifteen hundred like plus two thousand like you can get great value if you like if you believe zion's gonna keep this up right now the favorites are tatum and onto the kumpo but you know if you think zion can be an mvp candidate now would be the time to get in on that <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i think that's baked in that he's probably gonna miss some time but uh um, I'm, I'm on the zion train and uh um we can check back in in another 30 games. Hopefully he's played yeah. another 22 games instead of playing another 12 games. Exactly. <laughs> and if, if that's the case and he's still doing this well, then, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be accepting uh, and selling tickets to get onto the train with him. <laughs> the, wa- the wagon and the, or the train is like open to uh, anyone who wants to get on. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's uh, hop on the bandwagon while you can, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> hop on so no one realizes before people realize you're a bandwagoner. <laughs> That's right. All right, man. I, I think this was a good one. You know, we haven't had a chance to catch up. We always talk about stuff. It's nice to 
to see talk about you know some things that are not going right for teams in the NBA and then seeing some young stars really having a lot of success uh, it's been a really exciting NBA season and and um, one thing that I'm really happy about and we've talked about this over the last decade is I love parody in the NBA I think for me that keeps it interesting I know for a casual basketball fan having you know two teams that duke it out every year and having very familiar names is much better but for me as like a an intense basketball fan I think this parody keeps my soul happy and it m- makes me see and appreciate different types of players and the different types of games that uh, they can have and so I hope that keeps happening the Western Conference is really 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 just a, a crapshoot right now and hopefully we'll get a little bit more clarity over the next 10 or 15 games yeah I, I mean this parody is great I've just never seen where it's um, everyone is this bunched up in a while and I think that's what makes it exciting and yeah it was just nice to do a pod and not talk about the Lakers the Nets or the Knicks because uh, you know we always get that content and right last night was a painful one for the Lakers so I was just so happy to talk about some other teams <laughs> Yeah, dude. Catch you later. All right. Sounds good. Signing off on this one. Bye, guys. I want to give a shout out to our producer, Sandeep, and to let all the listeners know to help us out and follow us on Instagram at BSJPod and on Twitter as well at BSJPod. You can also find all our episodes uploaded onto our website at www.bsjpod.com. Thank you.